G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, as we do on a Thursday, it's always a wonderful pleasure to bring back into a great conversation Charles Newington, who has been thinking through all sorts of issues around what's developing both here in Australia and around the world. Charles is the National Director of Family Voice Australia. Charles, special welcome back to 2020. Thank you. Good morning, Neil. Charles, we are in some deeper waters here. Uh, Let's talk through some issues. Uh, The coronavirus and globalisation, and people are much more conscious of what's going on in the world right now because we can see other nations. They're ahead of us on the curve. What are your overall thoughts for how globalisation affects the way that we can see things that are happening in other places, and those things may well happen to us? Yes, thank you, Neil. Uh, My observation is that because of coronavirus, we are given news about what's happening in other countries, and we are realising that what's happening in Australia is part of a a global pandemic. So this notion of a global pandemic uh, makes us, gives us a sense of interest, uh, and uh, and it gives us a sense of context for what's happening in this country. So as you've mentioned that it seems like Australia is kind of ahead of the curve. It's like we we seem to be managing this uh, pandemic um, relatively well compared to other countries. And uh, I think that that phrase is is being given new significance, hasn't it? This ahead of the curve. We we've never used it quite in that way, <laughs> but we we're so conscious now of this phrase flattening the curve or being ahead of the curve uh, in reference to this uh, coronavirus. So. What this is doing is it's making us more globally aware and it's, um, it just makes us think about the way in which the global community is, has got certain big unifying dynamics going on at the present moment. And it has for quite a long time these things have been going on. But there's a tendency for us to just think that what's happening here in our local town or our local village, local community, these things are all very local. But actually um, they're part of... of big global movements and ideas and influences uh, that that finally creep into every town and village and street and neighbourhood. So there are some upsides to the ways that we relate and we might be able to perhaps even see those upsides more significantly that that when we talk about uh, being ahead of curves and uh, curves and flattening curves and all sorts of things like that, uh, what do you see as upsides of, of globalisation, Charles? Well, I think that um, the upsides include things like um, an increase in de- democratic values across the world. Uh, are we, we, um, I, I, I'm not suggesting that, that, that countries are necessarily becoming fully democratic, but that the values, things like a, a, a free press or, or, or a freer press or, or greater freedom of religion or greater freedom of speech or a greater scope for multi-party political systems or a greater concern for ethnic minorities and the tendency for either the global community or a national community to start to protect 
minorities that are vulnerable because this is becomes a, this is sort of a become a, becomes global news. I mean, if we think about people like the Rohingya or the the Uyghurs in China. Uh, these uh, communities have become global news, and th- there is a certain uh, pressure that comes from that from that global opinion uh, that um, uh, that does that does come to defend people who definitely need defence. And and I think that that's also true about the globalisation of equality factors, like uh, a greater realisation of the of the value and the equivalence of women, the equality of women, or or of races, or of gender generally, or of age. You know, these sorts of uh, in, these things are generally better for society. And I think it's often the case, isn't it, that we do like to focus on those good positive benefits and upside to globalisation, but clearly there are all sorts of people who are uh, intensely aware of the downsides. Uh, let's talk downsides for a few moments. What do you see as, as downsides? Well, uh, sitting behind this process of globalization is the uh, is the globalization of inf- of information exchange. You know, the World Wide Web and the internet, and the way in which uh, we are, uh, information moves so quickly and so freely now. Um, although countries like China and Russia are finding ways to prevent that. Uh, but the things that the downsides are things like the globalization of crime and. Uh, and crime syndicates go global with uh, with uh, the distribution of drugs. When you hear, like in Australia, we, uh, uh, in in a recent year, the total was something like 30 million tons of drugs that that were captured. You know, it, it, coming into the into the country, it's just huge amounts of dr- drugs that are moving uh, across borders, and um, and and this is. Um, you know, this is because of um, the globalization of movement and the globalization of information. It makes crime like that. And then, of course, pornography and the theft of internet of intellectual property uh, from companies and governments. And, um, you know, this sort of thing is all part of the global uh, capacity of uh, of the internet. And then the private individual, we're, we're, we are unaware of quite how much privacy we have lost and how much of our personal information is uh, you know is being stored on computers all over the place and uh, i think we are sometimes a little sort of freaked out aren't we when we're when we're uh, when we've done a search looking for a waterbed or something like that showing my age um uh, uh, you know but we do that then all of a sudden we discover that when we're on a completely different website adverts for, for waterbeds start coming up and we think to ourselves who's who's watching me you know, well, there's, these, of course, are just algorithms, but they are an example of the fact that this is the kind of information that's being collected about us, that we are looking for this product or that product. or And it's not just products to buy. It's information that we go looking for. You know, all this is tracked um, by these uh, algorithms, and, uh, and that loss of privacy is a very, very real issue. Loss of privacy, and I imagine when we talk about the the things we hear, the information that we're exposed to, uh, this idea of fake news uh, and the proliferation of all sorts of ideas and propaganda, these sorts of things are, I guess, part of the big downside, aren't they? They are. We can see, uh, you know, what we can see this global effect where... Uh, something will start in one country, and it's n- normally the United States, where uh, that's like the great engine house of um, of ideas, whether true or fake, you know, but not exclusively there by any means. 
But um, uh, and then it just sort of spreads out ideologically from their universities or some 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 sort of think tank somewhere starts an idea and before you know where you are, it's being promulgated across universities, etc. I think the thing that will uh, that, that's interesting at the moment is uh, sort of related to this is um, the, the search for the the coronavirus smoking gun. You know that one of the one of the things that you'll see on the internet when you're doing uh, you know just browsing, you'll see that. People are sort of saying, who's to blame? Who started this? And um, here's a global situation, but where did it start and who started it and why did they start it? Was it accidental or intentional? And um, and this is part of the, the cycle of the fake news, you know, because everybody wants to know the answer to that question. So you just throw up answers on the Internet, people, you know, that can either terrify people or or gratify people or whatever, and and uh, you've got an audience. Um, and so uh, this this is a, a, a imagine the task of trying to find that out um, exactly how this began. And the challenge is for us as a society, as a global society now, what do you do about that? Say you find out uh, who, who you know what the, who the, where the smoking gun is, uh, who started all this. Well, what do you do about that? You know, do you do you hold a government accountable? Do you uh, do you bring them to the international court and the Hague? Do you do you uh, try to put some kind of a, a economic uh, penalty on them? Um, these are all some of the consequences going to run from this uh, because of the global dynamics of the fact that the, this this virus has told us if we. If we weren't sure how interconnected we are, now we know we're very interconnected. And certain tribalism arises, doesn't it? Uh, because one side might be blaming another, uh, one group blaming another. And uh, there's this illusion, Charles, that somehow or other we're much more a civilised people today. And a lot of people love to say, you know, this is the most intelligent age of all. But uh, we might appear to be civilised. But as soon as a crisis comes, all of these tribal instincts arise and uh, the whole issue of humanity and even the downside of our humanity comes to the fore and these things become very prominent. What are your thoughts? Well, everything has a sociological impact, you know, an impact on society, how people relate to one another. Uh, But something like this, uh, a global crisis, uh, does have uh, a broader impact on how people relate because we're all struggling to find out how we can relate uh, you know, from behind the barriers of social distancing. So um, the Internet's become very important, hasn't it? And the phone calls have become very important. And uh, I was in a small group last night, you know, a Zoom group, and uh, we were just talking about how important communication has become for us. And uh, now we don't take phone calls uh, quite so casually. <laughs> we're pleased to have another human being talking to us. Yep. And And the challenge of that is that, that um, what happens is that we start to form these smaller, tighter networks that can become a bit in- exclusive, you know, where we, uh, where we, because we've got our own emotional needs, that we, we find our own little uh, club or our own little cluster or our own little tribe, and, uh, and, uh, and everybody else is a, is a stranger and a danger. Uh, we don't know where they've come from or what they're carrying because we can't see whether their hands are clean or whatever. And so there's that there's a tendency to, uh, and there's always this case, you know, with every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. And globalization is is a tendency toward uh, one world. Uh, tribalism is a tendency toward the fragmentation of that and to finding the people that you can trust, the communities you can trust. And I hope and pray that that doesn't become the character of churches. 
that they uh, that they become uh, you know even more insular and uh, uh, and uh, you know I pray that when this is all over and we have these celebrations of, of relief you know where social distancing is is committed to history that when we do celebrate it it's the kind of celebration that opens wide our arms uh, to the wider community and uh, and we discover that a fresh humanity a fresh appreciation of our nation uh, a fresh appreciation of uh, the hard work of these people that are going to be celebrated on Thanksgiving Day, you know, that sort of thing, that there's a, there's a whole new appreciation in society and we're a whole lot less critical and, uh, and prone to find the faults with others. Charles, let's bring this down to where all of us might fit into these pictures individually. Of course, uh, globalisation is big picture. Uh, down to right where we are at this moment, I wonder whether you've got any thoughts on how coronavirus is bringing out the best or worst of us. I think your thoughts go along the lines of saying that as church, uh, we can't afford to be insular. We can't afford to just be uh, hiving ourselves off into a little corner. Uh, concern for those who are older, uh, that's a clear one that's being promoted. Of course, there are other concerns about others groups in the community too, even single people. What are your thoughts around yeah. the way we're, we're uh, behaving as a Christian church and what we need to be on the on guard to uh, to guard against yes um a younger journalist uh, from the sky news journalist uh, had an article published in the, in the australian analyst nielsen she's, and she's she wrote uh, this article uh, telling people to kind of back off uh, criticizing young singles um and uh, when i first read the article i i thought typical you know <laughs> the typical generational reaction but when i reread it and i thought about it her, she's got a good point you know that single people who live alone they are finding social distancing particularly difficult she happened to mention that on the, uh, on a news broadcast and and her phone lit up and all these people rang in to say that's uh, their experience too these single people and so for single people the message to stay at home is like a banishment you know it's a it's a banishment to silence as it were, and um, uh, and um, so she just said, spare a thought, you know, for people who are living alone, not just older people, but younger people too. And so here's a thought. <laughs> this is the one I'm sparing. That uh, time alone gives us the opportunity to do some things, some really important thinking about uh, about life uh, without the usual interruptions. It helps us to consider what's really important to us personally, but also what's really important in a more global sense. Uh, and um, it helps us to ask questions like, well, what is actually shaping us and shaping our choices? And what are the investments that we are making of ourselves and our time? And uh, to explore questions about uh, faith. Uh, and um, and if you want to explore questions about faith, uh, a really good place to start is with the, uh, is with the Alpha course, so, uh, alpha.org, which is just a great uh, a place to have a kind of a conversational approach to the questions that we have about faith and uh, and it's easy it's online and uh, there's a youth series there as well so I, I think um, that um, y you know instead of thinking about this relative silence as uh, as, uh, as a kind of a offense against our humanity let's think of it as an opportunity for us to discover our humanity and uh, um, so um, I, I encourage that. I, I, I don't know if you want to make a comment there, but um, I, I want to talk for a few minutes about friendship and about the nature of friendship, which I think well, 
you know, it's one of those great things that gets taken for granted. Yeah, well, if I was making a comment, uh, I would be thinking along the lines of, as you're saying, if you are forced into a situation where you've got some social isolation happening, it is a good time to take some time and I'm I'm not I don't think you're saying take every single moment of the day but no. this idea of a reevaluation of priorities is such a good thing for all of us and when there is a global pandemic crisis that may well affect us personally and also certainly members of our family and absolutely certainly wider members of our community over the coming weeks and months, uh, you might do well to avoid the idea of getting into just the idea of having a Netflix binge exactly. and uh, and taking a little bit of time to think through these issues. I imagine if you've got a spouse, that becomes a little bit easier because you might think about your own future priorities and how they might be shaped by a crisis in the present. But uh, thank you very much, Charles. Um, so far as uh, what you, you were about to launch into something else about friendship, what was that one about? Well, I, I think that friendship is one of those things that we kind of assume, you know, we kind of assume that every, everybody knows how to make friends. Um, but, the, you know, when we think about the good friends in our lives, the people that have really made a positive difference in our lives, then we start to think about the, the qualities that they bring into the, into our relationship. I've got a friend... Um, who at his 60th birthday party, um, these mates from the past came into uh, the party and they had a, a time when they just had speeches. And one after another said something like this. Uh, my, this guy, when we were younger, he used to come and knock on my door every Saturday morning and get me out of bed and take me down to the beach and we'd have a surf. I would never have surfed if it hadn't been for Brian. You know, somebody else said, "Yep, he used to do that for me." You know, and 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 this guy, he's just just the most. You know, uh, he's not. I mean, who knows his name? Except I've told everybody his name's Brian. But he <laughs> was just one of those guys who understood that people needed friends that were there for their for the good. And uh, so I think things like um, when you're looking for friends, don't necessarily look for friends that are the most beautiful or the most buff. But things like, um, are they trustworthy? And are they a good listener? And does some, are they someone who takes responsibility for their life and actions and is investing in really good causes and activities that benefit others? Are they safe? Do you they know, or don't they cross boundaries? You know, I think friendship comes easy to some. And sometimes if you spiritualize that, you could be thinking that somehow or other friendship happens naturally. But there are some wonderful Christian values, Charles, that actually shape the way we are friends. The idea of doing unto others as you would have them oh, do unto so you. I mean, the powerful, wonderful treasures of the scripture that actually tell us how to be a good friend. Uh, these things yeah. are emanating from our faith in Christ and what he has revealed for us. And uh, sometimes good not to forget that because we can think of, of friendships as, yeah, going around and uh, getting my friend out of bed and going for a surf, which is wonderful. Uh, and so those sorts of things become for us. Uh, like an illustration of the scripture, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But that's really a real core of friendship. Uh, any thoughts just on the, on the core of friendship as we wrap things up, Charles? Well, the thing about what that man did was he created the trust and the respect that enabled him to have a spiritual influence in their lives. And that's that's one of the missing ingredients for so many people who just want to jump straight to the words. You know, but the, the works prepare the heart for the words 
And so friendship is about loving the person uh, uh, as unconditionally as possible, because that's exactly what God d- did for us. He, 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 I'm just amazed at the love of God for me. If it wasn't for the love of God for me, these fundamental issues of personal security would be completely in tatters. But it's the fact that God loves me uh, in unconditionally that, that gives me the reassurance that I can, I can get up again. I can, if I've dropped the ball, I can pick it up and have another go because I know that he's not looking at me and sort of holding it against me and, and just sort of waiting for the moment to sort of, you know, tell me how much I disappointed him or something like that. <laughs> and, 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 and that Jesus is the great, he's not just the model and the inspiration, but he actually sends his, he actually comes into our hearts and lives when we open up our hearts and lives to him. He comes into us and influences us from the inside and starts to kind of, as it were, transfer his character and who he is into who we are. And, and then we find that that starts to flow out in all our other human relationships because of who Jesus is to us. It changes the way we are to others. You never cease to amaze, Charles, how we have gone from uh, talking the big picture of globalisation, the upsides and the downsides, and bringing that into a personal context and to be able to share such what I think listeners will recognise is a beautiful testimony of the workings of God in us that just show us so deeply what it is to know his love and then to be a friend to others and be an expression of his love. So, uh, Charles Newington, always great getting your insights on a Thursday. Let me point people to Family Voice Australia's website, familyvoice.org.au. Charles Newington is the National Director of Family Voice Australia. Charles, thanks so much for a great conversation again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.